Hi everyone, how are you doing? Oh, hello, hello everybody, hello boys and girls. No. Hey, thanks for joining us again on Thank the you so much. We love that you're listening to our podcast. Let's not do that any longer. Hi everyone, we're back with week two of our Afraid of Sunlight retrospective. Afraid of Sunlight. Greetings. My dudes. What are you doing? I've, we've done the funny voices bit at the beginning. Now we've moved on. <laughs> we've done that. Do we ever really move on beyond funny voices? <sighs> Some people would say our natural speaking voices are funny. <laughs> uh, so, week two. Afraid of Sunlight. This week, we're starting on the songs. If you listened last week, you'll know that Sanya despises this album. That's, oh my goodness. Yes, Mr. Rose, you love to take things to the extreme. It's kind of guy I am. No, no middle road for you. No, black or white. That's the way the world works. <laughs> no, no shades of grey no for No shades you. of grey for me. No, it's shadows and sunlight, appropriately. Oh, that's good. Oh, you like that? Yeah, it's very appropriate. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? So, let's just get on with this, shall we? All right. Jumping Start, straight in. Starting with track one. Gazpacho. Before we discuss the song, what do you want to say about it? What do you what do you think it's about? Well, before we discuss it, that is discussing it. But well, you know, before we get into you want my... what it sounds like, whether we like it, that sort of thing. We know you don't like it. No, that's not true. It has actually really grown on me with each listen. <laughs> it has been a grower. Um I don't dislike it. it i mean funnily enough before i'd ever listened to the album and listened to the song properly i had heard gazpacho live and i was never a massive fan of it then listening to it on the album it's like it's okay i don't really super love it but i don't hate it and it i do find myself bopping along to it as i'm listening well, it's got that nice sort so of almost has, almost reggae rhythm section. That yeah, it has. Oh my god, I'm not, I, I have to say, I love the bass. It's Pete's song, especially in the beginning. The bass is like it's amazing. It bounces. It's really captivating. Yeah. Yeah. I love the bass. It's That's um, possibly my favourite thing about the song. It's it's something that I realised listening to it. Um, if I'm talking funny, by the way, I've got an ulcer on my tongue. <laughs> oh, no. Um, uh, you kept that quiet. Oh, it's only just started. Uh, just what you need before you're about to launch into probably two hours of podcast recording. So, uh, yes, I, I picked up on this album. It, it's Pete's very front and centre. Isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well. Because mm. there was another song, I can't remember which one. Cannibal but... Surf Baby is really yes, prominent. Yes, that's in. it. Yeah. Yeah. He's really going for it. And it's, you can really appreciate how skilled he is. Oh my God, he's amazing. And I'm glad they've done that because I feel that sometimes it's easy to lose the bass. Yeah, but he he plays the bass like a guitar Mm, sometimes. Not many people do that. Yeah. So sorry. uh, Yeah, go on. Let's hear what you've got to say about it. Okay, so I wrote, interesting start already right off the bat. You hear the massive contrast with Brave. Like it is really different, and I think it's really different to anything they've done up to this point as well. Yeah, it's nothing that they've done sounds like Gaspacho. 
yeah, so they're being true to the prog label and progressing and yes, real changing. Prog. Yeah, yeah, yes. And if you want to know what Paul means by that, listen to a previous episode. Yeah, how prog Armourillion. I love the start with the um, speaking, the spoken word radio segment. And then well, yeah, it, it you know sounded who that like it's meant to be. Wait, I just want to guess what because I thought it sounds like it's a boxing match or something, and I thought that was clever foreshadowing to what the song might be about. Right. Do you want to tell me who it's meant to be? Well, there's the boxing match. Yeah. But there's also the voice. Oh, then it pulls out to the cosmic bit. Yeah. Do you know who that it's meant to be? No. Well, it's meant to be John Lennon. Is it? Yeah. It's a John Lennon, I don't know if it's a direct quote, but it isn't actually John Lennon, probably because it would have bankrupt them if they had actually got a, a, a soundbite from John Lennon. So it's the actor Bernard Hill, who some may know from Boys in the Black stuff. Some of you may know as the captain in Titanic. Mm. He, he played John Lennon apparently in a film uh, about him. Oh. So it's taken from that. So it wasn't done specifically for, for no, the no. album. It was a, a soundbite that was used from somewhere else. Oh. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Oh, but the actual, the words are taken from an interview with John Lennon. Um, sorry, they are. Sorry. Wrote that in my notes. Should have... Uh, Consulted. That. Which I believe I got that fact from Fraser Marshall's Explanation of Song Elements uh-huh. website. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yes, and if you passage. want to know more about Fraser Marshall, listen to our episode two weeks ago. Yes. Well done. In About the web. I can't remember the title of the episode. Yeah, so I was wondering if the song is based on a true story and it's about like some huge icon, like either Hollywood or music or since you decided to mention Mike Tyson in the previous episode, maybe sports, um, who then this icon has been so overwhelmed by their celebrity status and lifestyle that as H says in the lyrics, you took a dive and swallowed all you could. Did you drink too much too soon? And they end up committing a crime of passion against their wife and then escaping onto the road. Mm. It, it, it's it's the repercussions of fame, like the psychological repercussions. So things like loneliness, like does the ocean hear you cry? They say the king is losing his grip again. Um, so, you know, maybe losing mental stability. But they say you're bulletproof. They say you feel no pain. It seems the hero is misunderstood again. So this is my guess and this is me reaching. Up until this point, the protagonist of the song has been portrayed as being beyond reproach. Like he can get away with anything, do what he wants to do, go mad. Doesn't matter. The public always forgive him. He gets away with it. But maybe this time in this song, he's pushed it too far and he has to run away. The sense I got from listening to it was I was wondering if there was a part of H that wishes he could do the same. Run away. Yeah. That it was getting too much for him. Maybe he took a dive from the moon and swallowed too much too soon and he was feeling it was affecting his personal relationships and he wished that he could just take his love and run away. Oh, I love the crescendo of the music in the last verse. That's more of the musical side. And then I wanted to mention two things. So one, how clever it was when H said, now the ring is just a band yeah, of yeah. gold. It was like, it was so, it 
it conveyed so much emotion about the situation, like how our relationship with a physical object can change because of a, a traumatic experience. So it was like all the deeper significance had been stripped away from the wedding ring and it had just kind of like become, it had been left like just a husk or a shell, maybe a bit like the protagonist of the song had been left like a, a husk or a shell well, at the I, end. I think as well that in there, because it opens with a uh, boxing match. Yes. Boxing ring. And then you have the yeah. fight in the song yeah. between the husband and wife. And one, just one last thing that I was wondering the last, the last line was drive the road, which is like the first line in Afraid of Sunlight. So it's like, oh, maybe he is escaping, going on the run after his crime. And that's it. That's, that's all I've got to say. Yeah. I mean, I obviously slightly disagree with your notion that this album has a narrative. I don't think it does. Mm. And I don't think this song is about any one person specifically. Mm -hmm. Opens with a boxing match, which could relate to Mike Tyson. Mm -hmm. Or it could be foreshadowing of the fight in the song. I think it probably does both. Obviously, and you've got John Lennon, who also met a tragic end. Mm -hmm. Uh, It ends with news report of OJ Simpson on the run. Oh, is that where that's from? Yeah. Oh, he's driving the road. Yeah, the famous slow car chase. Oh. Which, of course, O.J. Simpson... That makes sense. O.J. Simpson <gasps> was found and not guilty in court of murdering his, his wife, wife and her friend. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll let you all fill in the blanks there. <laughs> I think we can all oh, okay. have Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I don't think... I mean, So he's taken <laughs> these real-life stories and people and... And kind of mashed, put them, it up. mashed it up together to create his own yeah, story. Yeah, mentions the king, obviously King Elvis Presley. Uh, <laughs> as, as he the King Elvis Presley. Why is that funny? That's what he was known as. Oh, was he? Yeah. I know, I know people called him the king, but I didn't think people would introduce him as King Elvis. Well, okay. Oh, I know. That's... The king, comma, Elvis Presley. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> or the king, dash, <laughs> Elvis Presley. my little literal mind wow. appreciates that. Just throw, Wow. I know. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Moving on. I, I do try and keep that part of me under wraps. No, not very well. <laughs> not really badly. <laughs> oh, well. So, I mean, I think the song could as much have been written about Johnny Depp. True. You know, or, or it, it is just looking at, at how many of these celebrity, particularly men, which this song is very much seemingly about a man. Mm. or maleness. Male icons. Yeah. Uh, about how so many of these people fall, you know, fall apart or end in some tragic way. I'd love to know what the kind of, this is, sounds really weird, what the sort of death rate is for celebrities, whether it's higher than average or the, the amount of addiction among celebrities, mm. uh, the number of them who kind of end up uh, you know, in prison, that sort of thing, or committing crimes. I'd love to know whether it's higher than average, particularly like big Hollywood celebrities. Yeah. And whether whether the chances of that happening or, or, or the frequency of that happening goes up the more famous and rich and wealthy the celebrity is. Mm. Uh, no, I'm still reeling from that metaphor of now the ring is just a band of gold because 
literally talking to you now, it only just dawned on me that it could represent the celebrity themselves. They a band of gold. They're just like they yeah, they they are precious to everyone else, or their image is precious, mm. but they're empty on the inside. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, it's good. No, I, I, that's fine. That's good. That's fine. Hollow. What are <laughs> rings? They're hollow in the middle. No, more that they're hollow of significance. So it's mm. no longer a wedding ring. It's just a band of gold. Mm. It doesn't have that meaning to it. Mm, like a life doesn't have a meaning, potentially. Of the Not if they're, if they feel like they, they're disconnected from themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And from those they love. So yeah, that that I mean, as H says it himself, it, it, it's an H Helmer lyric. I think it was the song that he. I think he was already exploring lyrically the this kind of area of the downsides of fame, and then this lyric came in from John Helmer, and he went, "Yes, this speaks to me." Mm. Um, which, of course, on top of that, you know, things like OJ Simpson were. Mm fresh in people's memories yeah yeah of course i I, i'm so glad that you mentioned oj simpson because it's like it it really fits yeah i the gazpacho thing isn't directly it's it's a mix of fiction and reality yeah and gazpacho is a good word it is yeah uh and it rhymes with macho yeah and as i said it spoke to his sense that the machine being the music industry eats its own mm. or the fame industry eats its own with the constant pressure. Yeah. I mean, you look at the 27 club. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. How, that's how a, many of yeah. them die way too prematurely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, aside from that, that weirdness of being in the spotlight and how odd that feels. I mean, I've met, a few actors in my time and musicians um and some of them they're a very specific sort of person uh i don't know quite what i mean by that and i'm trying to be really careful what i say uh they're not all like this by any means but certainly actors are an interesting breed you know some i've met are they're very good at in the moment making you feel special and like they're very good at kind of you know making eye contact and in that moment sort of locking onto you and hanging on your every word and and seemingly taking it in waiting for their moment to contribute or speak and they're very good at acting as if they're listening shall we say mm. that's the sense i've got and you with don't some think of they're them. actually listening there's there's but and yet there's nothing behind the eye sometimes oh, i see not always not with all of them i, I do know some actors who are, are you know what i would class as relatively normal um grounded grounded but there are some who yeah there's not a lot going on behind the eyes i went to um uh awards ceremony some years ago and uh yeah i did win an award thanks <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thanks for asking. I did actually, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and there was quite a, quite a big actor got up to an accept, accept an award. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to name him, uh, but he sort of was was you know on screen 
very sort of erudite and well-spoken. And he got up to accept the award and he gave his speech and he was, you would have sworn he was absolutely crapping himself with nerves because he was sort of stuttering and, and mumbling and not making a great deal of sense. Not in a way that I think he was off his face or anything. He mm. just... He seemed nervous. Yeah, you know, I've worked with other actors who are so riddled with insecurity, you know, they'll apologise after every take. What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is I think there's, um, you know, maybe there's a certain type of person that's drawn to fame as much as there is that fame can kind of undermine. Mm. It's like it's like politicians, right? They, yeah, there's a famous saying that the kind of people that pursue power are the wrong people who should have power. Right. I'm just wondering whether there's something in fame that the so people the, who pursue, who pursue fame it, yeah. are the ones who really shouldn't have it. Which is different to those who aren't pursuing fame, mm. but they become famous because of their talent or their skill. Yeah. Kind of a bit by accident. Like they haven't got that huge hunger and emptiness mm. to feel and want to be famous at all costs they're just really good at what they do yeah it's why i always had and i've said this to you before why i always have so much respect for david bowie particularly in his later years because he seemed happy away from the spotlight mm. and whether he had that hunger in younger years which i think he probably did that seemed to kind of get fulfilled by married life and yeah. family and the light that was the sense i got i the sense i get is that some some people want to be famous and some people want to create. Mm. So for the ones that just want to be famous, they they don't really care yeah. how they get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And others, they don't care whether so much whether they're famous or not. They just want to create and share their creations. Mm. The more people that get to enjoy those creations, they're, they're happier with that. Yeah. But they're not, they're not searching and yearning for the fame. Mm-hmm. So I guess David Bowie's like that. And I know we watched, this is so getting off topic. No, we watched it's not. the Billie Eilish documentary. It's perfectly um, on topic. The other week. An album about fame. And, yeah, and I got that sense from her. I know she's really young. She's only 19. But from her, I just got this grounded feeling yeah. that she didn't want to, this is, and I could be so wrong. This is how she was portrayed in the, in the, in the documentary. She wants to create. Yeah. She wants her That's videos. She wants up. to direct her videos because she wants creative control. Mm. She wants to express herself in an artistic way. Yeah. And the fame happened because of that. Yeah. And it, it wasn't is... like, oh, I want to go on a reality show or something, or I'll just sing any old stuff. But um, she's quite anti drugs, isn't she? And apparently. Oh, is she? Yeah. Which is why I'm sort of curious about. Um, the kinds of people that are drawn to fame that they're trying to some people are trying to fill that hole in themselves mm. which when fame isn't enough well then there's alcohol and drugs and yes because know, also when the spotlight and, is yeah. turned off yeah, you're left you with that emptiness yeah so that's anyway that was that was I guess my, my train of thought was oh my god sorry I have to share this so I just had this vision like if you come to fame with the hollowness inside you which is like a dark hole, right? The spotlight is a light that fills that hole. Oh. But then once... Does that sound rude? No. But once... <laughs> uh, <laughs> once well, now, now that you've said it... Now, <laughs> now that you have said it... Um, I thought that's why yeah, you Yeah, it does. Uh, that's why you <laughs> went, oh. 
Um, but then once that spotlight is off them, they're left with that emptiness again. Yeah. Whereas someone who comes to fame, they're already filled with their creative fire burning. Mm. They haven't got a hole. It's full of that. <laughs> it's full of that creative fire. They haven't got that emptiness. It's full that it. It's full of that creative fire. Right. When the spotlight shines on them, it just highlights it. When the spotlight is off them, it. They're still full. Well, it was Meridian who wrote a song called "Nothing Fills the Hole." Seriously. Yeah. Interesting. On a what later album, oh. "Happiness Is the Road." Ah. Oh. Ooh, I and it. just I the wanted title. it till I got it. Wow. Wow. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, that is my rambling around the theme of the album. And I just wonder whether where, where H falls on that spectrum of needing fame. And, and he, might fame. Ha- he, he might have moved his position on that spectrum. I've certainly felt that in recent years. I think he's as much... I think he enjoys being in Marillion more than perhaps he did back then. Whereas it was very clear in interviews in the past that being on top of the pots, being famous, being acknowledged, you know, selling loads of records was it mattered to him. That was very clear. Uh, and yet in recent years, it's more like, I want to play the Albert Hall. Can we play the Albert Hall? Let's play the Albert Hall. What a great experience. And appreciating like the Marillion weekends and the fans in a different way to how he perhaps did in the past. And maybe this is why he was so struggling with the notion of being in a band and being famous and what it did, to, because he wasn't ready yet. You know, he was still in that, had that emptiness. I'm speculating. I don't yes, know. Yes, this is all speculation. This is all core speculation. But, but something drove him to write this album. But not only that, this isn't the last time he writes about fame mm. uh, and being in the in the music industry and the downside of that. In later albums, he he, and we'll see it when we get to kind of radiation, uh, and and later, he d- adopts a very cynical attitude to the music industry. Songs like Three Minute Boy, Number One, Real Tears for Sale. But here at this point, yeah, he's clearly struggling and kind of looking at himself and going um nothing fills the hole ah. not a fa- favorite of mine on the album but i i do really like it mm. and i think it opens the album well it, i like how it doesn't sound like any of the other songs i love that the bass on it the bounciness yeah the jangling the the and that bit in the middle eight where it sounds like the song is almost going backwards and then it breaks apart into the chorus again i love that Apparently the band were trying to emulate early yes with this, which I had listened to some early yes. I like it a lot better than later yes before they went full prog. Let me just say that. Yeah, and I can see that in there. I mean, it doesn't, you know, but they were doing some interesting things with the the bass, Chris Chris Squire, whose nickname was Fish. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. But, But the thing that strikes me is, with this song, is it sounds completely different to Brave. It sounds completely mm-hmm. different to previous Marillion. But there's also a sort of looseness to it mm-hmm. that that speaks of confidence in their ability mm. and their confidence in each other, if you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 So, wow, we said a lot about Gas- around Gaspacho. We did, yes. <laughs> Pete loves this song because it lets him show off. Apparently. Well, of course he does. He's like the star of the song. Yeah. 
I, I'm not surprised by that. And he does an amazing job. I love this song for the bass. Sanya, next track, Cannibal Surf Babe. Please say some things about this, will you? Okay. Well, it perfectly fits the vibe of sounding completely different to anything they've done before. Yep, I'll agree with that. Even completely different to Gaspacho. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, upbeat again, lively. It's fun. It's mm-hmm. a fun song. It's a sing-along song. <laughs> yeah. The bass again. So far, this is Pete's album. Yeah, it's out of control on this song. That it's amazing. Thing. That's yeah, yeah. It's the it's the jangling bass. You know, when it kicks in, it's just it's it's bonkers. Yeah, I love it. Um, so, what is it about? I don't know. That what I've got in here is getting freaky with a surfer babe. Question I, look, mark. Is she high and off her head? Who is Mister Wilson? I don't know. <laughs> I've got no idea. You don't know who Mr. Wilson might be? No. Stephen Wilson? (laughs) (laughs) You meant that, didn't you? You actually meant that. You were serious. (laughs) Right. um, Have you ever seen One Foot in the Grave? No. Oh, it's an actor called Richard Wilson. I don't believe it. That's a joke. It's not. It's Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Oh. Another casualty of the music industry. Oh, let me just check the lyrics. The sandbox. Do you know what the sandbox is? No. Okay. One of his... Mr. Wilson, where's your sandbox and your beard? You still looking for the perfect microwave? That just completely confused me. <laughs> okay, he used to to get the beach vibe, mm. put his bare feet in some sand in the studio. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. What's up? What about the microwave? I don't actually know the microwave. Bit. And what about the beard? He grew a bit because he became a kind of big rock recluse because he had mental health problems mm. and drinking drugs, blah blah blah, uh, and just for a long time the Beach Boys he would stay and write the songs and work with them in the studio and they would go out and tour because he wasn't able to cope with it. Ah, I see. Now it all makes sense. So is the cannibal surf babe uh, like a, a, um, a symbol of fame? And I don't all the think, women that, well, look, you know, come along with fame, but it actually just eats you alive. I think it's just a bit of fun. That's, that's all I think. It is a fun is. song. It's a bit of fun, but I think, in terms of the theme of the album, it fits because it's a Beach Boys pastiche and mm. because of what happened to Brian Wilson, yes. not what happened to Stephen Wilson. Right. Where he released an album that wasn't prog enough for people. <laughs> <laughs> Went off the deep end <laughs> by moving away from prog. How dare he? Dare he? Uh, and his yeah. fans ate him alive with their hurtful comments on his Facebook page. <laughs> yes. But I think I think it's a really interesting way to kind of keep in with the theme not actually addressing it lyrically it's a helmer lyric but kind of thematically i think that's really clever and stylistically yeah 
this was a song that I used to play to people as an example of, you know, I used to do the album as a whole, but if I had to pick out one song to kind of go, yeah, Marillion aren't like that. This was the song I used to play to people. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, it, cause it, it's, for me, yes, I, I sometimes struggle with their kind of rockier songs. Mm. But what I've discovered is when they're having fun when they do the rock stuff, it sits a lot better with me. And what I'm talking about is songs like Hooks in You and Communicado, this. When the songs are, are playful, yes, I love them. Yes. And I will say I love Cannibal Surf Babe. I really, it's, it, I love it. Oh. It's bloody great. And I know a few people said to me on Twitter, oh, it doesn't fit with the album. I, I think it does. That's mm. what I think. It, it, it's so different from the rest of the album, but I think it absolutely fits, not only in terms of that theme, but just somehow musically it does. Yeah. It comes in the right place. Yes, and it's carrying on the, with that upbeat, upbeat vibe. Yeah. Um, um, I have to confess, it's not one of my favourite songs. I can tell that. I, I know that. You knew that already. Yeah. But the annoying... Do you not want to know what's really annoying about this? Mm-hmm. Out, out of the whole album, the song that got stuck in my head the most was Cannibal Surf Bay. <laughs> and um, I can't listen to it without bopping along to it. So, so I enjoy listening to it, but at the same time, I don't like really love it. And I don't know why. It's weird because now, what are we, nearly 30 years later, 25 years later, something like that, I probably wouldn't play it to people as an example of Marillion. Oh, why do you think that is? Oh, because I just think, back then I think it was more like I wanted to shock people because it was so uh, different. Mm. And so different to kind of Kaylee or different to what they perceive Meridian to be, which is a band writing long talk epics about fairies and elves. So why wouldn't you share the like now, currently, with people? Don't don't know, don't care. <laughs> I don't know. I think they've just they've just written other songs that I think I would probably play as better examples. What of. would you use these days? I don't know. Oh. Put me on the spot there. Yeah. Well, Invisible Man tends to be it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting choice. Is it? Yeah. Why? Because as a as an introduction, it's quite a it's a slower song and it's quite deep. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's slow all the way through. I don't know if Invisible Man would be an instant grab. No, it's not. But here's my thing. I've changed, you see, in the last twenty five years. Miracle I know. But now I kind of think, if you don't like Invisible Man, there's no hope for you. You might yeah. as well forget oh, it. That's a fair comment. Yeah. That is a fair comment. If you don't like Invisible Man, arguably Marillion's best song, you know what? You're a lost cause. So, you know, if you listen to that... You're a lost cause. Yeah, if you listen to that and you go, it's not for me, mm. or you're only prepared to listen to it once, because, oh, it's a bit long, well, stuff you. Fine, you don't deserve Marillion. Wow. So, yeah, I okay. used to... Um, look, I... Do I think it's Marillion's best song? No, of course not. But it's a nice, fun... I it's think it's fun. a great one to play live. It's in the same way I like Hooks in You live. Yeah. And if I hear Hooks in You, it will put a smile on my face. Yeah. This is the same. It puts a smile on my face. It's silly. It, and, yeah, it's it's the closest Marillion have come, in my mind. Watch myself. To writing kind of a cool song because <laughs> it's like real it's psycho beach boys 
Mm. You know, it's kind of acid rock, Beach Boys, punky. Yeah, I think it's anyway. Yeah. But, you know, that's fine. You don't like it. I, no, <laughs> I, I never said I didn't like it. I do like it. I just, I don't love it. It's got a theremin in there. Oh, yeah. I do like it. I just don't love it. And I and that's an illogical thing. That's how, something how that can, you can't. How can you not love a song with theremin in it? I like it. <laughs> So how did you know that I didn't love it? I know my wife. No, I, I need to know. I just know. I just know. Hmm. I just know what you like and what you don't like. Just as I know that you love Beautiful, the next track. I do. Yeah. And and on that note... This was a single, remember? Yes. Interesting video. I don't know if I've seen the video. I'll play it to you at some point. H is wearing a pair of gold trousers and he has his top off. For the whole video. Running around hugging people with a pair of angel wings on. Oh, yeah, I don't think I've seen that. Yes. Yeah, it's, hmm. it's almost classy. What do you mean, almost? Well, Marillion never been known for their decent videos. But um, as it, as their videos go, it's not bad. Um, I praise and, from you, Mr Rose. Well, yeah. And it's, you know, if you, you're partial to seeing a topless H, that's your video. <laughs> So, beautiful, I think, is iconic Marillion. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't even care how often this is played or how often I hear it. I'm happy to just hear it over and over again because it is beautiful. I love the music. I love the tune. But, but. it has left me with some questions. Be- what? Yeah. I want to know what this beautiful is that H is talking about. Because in the lyrics, he says, we don't have to live in a world where we give bad names to beautiful things. We should live in a beautiful world. We should give beautiful a second chance. And I thought, huh? Excuse me? Like, beautiful things don't get a second chance in our world? Yeah. They get kicked around? Like, since when? I thought that the whole way our society works is that Beautiful people and things are given an advantage over the Yeah, but he's doing, he's doing two things there. What's he doing? He's saying everyone is beautiful regardless of what they look like. That beauty is more than skin deep. Right. So when he's saying, you know, yes, that's what he's talking about. He's saying we should give beautiful things a second chance, as in real beauty. Hmm. That's what the song is about, saying that everyone is beautiful. But some people will get called names or put down or whatever because they're not so the classically saying, classic idea of what beauty is. He's saying we should give beautiful the meaning of beautiful a second chance. No. And I, not take well, it to I, mean what well, we are told it means by society and media. I don't uh, that's not how I saw it. I saw it as he's referring to people who are beautiful a second chance. But people who are but what he's saying is his idea of people who are beautiful is different to what the media says is beautiful. Yeah, and advertising and movies, that sort of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, I guess I've just loved the song always without really looking too deeply at it because you can just feel his emotion in it and it's very... It is an age lyric, by the way. It's very transportative. Like, it's... I don't know. It takes you out of your daily life. And I love the scent. I mean, I think I must have picked up on that sentiment because that's kind of 
what I felt from the song before I'd looked at the lyrics. But then when I, I looked at the lyrics, I was like, what? Yeah, but doesn't the line, we give bad names to beautiful things? Yeah, that, I didn't understand that, not... that. Okay, but we might just call someone who is beautiful, as in truly beautiful as a person, we might say they're ugly. Mm. Or, you know, call them names because they don't fit into a classic body shape. Mm. That's what he's saying. We give bad names to beautiful things and it's time to give beautiful a second chance. Second chance being the original working title. Yeah, I know. I was going to say that. Yes, because which was, is available on uh, one of the versions of the album uh, as a early mix, which was Dave Megan's preferred version of the song uh, and is a lot more raw, but it, it, due to time it got uh, mixed by and engineered, I think, by Mike Hunter. Mm. Who worked on the album as an engineer and later produced many Meridian albums. Mm. But yeah, um, I love it. I yeah. think it's a um, gorgeous song. Apparently, apparently, someone at the record company challenged them to write their version of Crimea River, not the Justin um, Timberlake song. Okay, I haven't heard Justin Timberlake. Is it Justin version. Timberlake? Well, now I'm thinking, is it Justin Bieber? I think it's Timberlake, Trails and Snake. Um, <laughs> Although the original Crimea River, um, I can't remember who it's by, an old song, um, sounds more like Fade of Sunrise, if anything, mm. uh, um, has that kind of jazzy, slight shuffle to it. EMI didn't originally want to release a single. They were just At like, all. they had to be convinced. Yeah, this was how they were just happy for the album to just disappear. Wow. Yeah. I um, mean, it sounds like they really didn't give the album a chance. No. At all. They like, should have did given they, it a second chance. Did they even listen to it? Very good. Yeah. When I first heard this, this is a confession. When I first heard Uh-oh. this, I was I was slightly disappointed because I thought, right, we're back in pop territory, are we? And I thought, oh, great, we're going to have another album of Holidays in Eden type songs. And it's. It, I remember playing it to a friend of mine who also, he wasn't a big fan, but he he did buy Marillion albums and was aware of them and he heard it and he went he listened to it at work I was at work with him because I this is when I was working at Teletext and I, I got a copy of the single off of the music guy for me to review and I played it to this other colleague and he was like yeah they've kind of done that already haven't they which I get what he means for me this is similar territory to No One Can and perhaps Kaylee, but the difference is, yes, it's kind of cheesy and commercial in its sentiment, but without that sort of saccharine aftertaste that I could see no one can leaving for it, some people. Yeah, it's got a depth to it. Yes. I mean, I, uh, I still like no one can. Oh, look. And Kaylee. I've established that I do love no one can and, uh, and Kaylee. Uh, but it has a it has a kind of classiness mm. to it that isn't there necessarily on, on the pop songs that were on Holidays in Eden. It's a more grown-up pop song. Yeah. And and it's weird that I kind of had that reaction to it because actually listening to it again now, it doesn't really sound like any of their other songs. At least not up to that point. It sounds quite classically Marillion as I think of them now. You know, I could see Beautiful appearing on one of their later albums yeah. quite comfortably. Yeah, I agree. But up to that point, nothing had really sounded like it. Um, And live, my God... I will always listen to this live happily. Yeah, same. It's great live mm-hmm. somehow. 
Yeah, I say that. Sorry, that sounded like a bit a bit of a backhanded compliment saying that somehow there because because um, it isn't because it's sort of quite mid paced. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the most up tempo song, but yet somehow live because it does have that sort of swell of emotion and music at the end, particularly. Yeah, that's it. It it really grabs me live. Yeah, you know, and when they change the lights to the the you know red and brown and gold and brown and it's mm. yeah for that yeah that I line. think I think that's the best description. It has a a swell of emotion that can kind of it comes from underneath and it can pick you up. Yeah, hmm. true fact. It was also the theme music for a South American soap opera. Was it? Which was apparently called Beautiful. <laughs> Are you going to no. tell me you've seen it? No, no, no. They call the bold and the beautiful in in Italy. They call it beautiful. So oh, I, okay. I was like, oh what? But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Next track, Afraid of Sunrise, a Hogarth Helmer lyric. Is it? Yes, that got split across two songs. Ah, that makes sense. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what the second part of the song could be. Well, what happened was um, they had one set of lyrics and two bits of music. Mm. Uh, and they were like, oh, we've got to get rid of one of them. But Dave Megan was like, no, don't. Just kept both. I like that they've kept both. Yeah, me too. And <laughs> split them up so they're not one after the other. And given them a similar name. Yeah, afraid I love that. Afraid of sunrise, afraid of sunlight. Ah. This is one of my favourites on the album, you or another one of my favourites. Um, the start. Oh, my goodness. That dreamy, chilled, mellow start. Oh, it is sublime. I love the, like the little touch of maracas in there. I really, really felt like I was driving through the desert listening to this. What's interesting, here's a little fact from the sleeve notes. Mm. Apparently, while H was singing this, there was uh, six inches of snow outside. <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. Like, yeah. like it's... Which I always liken this album to... Um, the Joshua Tree by U2, which had a similar sort of American desert feel to it. Yes. And that's definitely here in this song. Yeah. Which also, interestingly, is. Dave Megan worked on the Joshua Tree. Did he? Yeah. Oh, they, they're a curious bit of info there. Yeah, so this song continues my story that I've made up about the album. <laughs> and it's, for me, it's the continuation of what happens after Gaspacho. So, dressed in black, no turning back. Something terrible has happened. And the our protagonist, the icon, is on the run because he's done something terrible. Uh, and he's leaving a dark situation and he can't go back. Okay, you might need to cut this bit out. Fingers in desires crack. <laughs> I was just like, um, H, like... <laughs> or John Helmer. Or John Helmer, um, Hello. <laughs> Took me by surprise. Took me by surprise. Do you know, do you know what's weird? <laughs> it's like, what? What's weird is my mind automatically goes to double entendres, mm. uh, and 
It didn't there. It didn't there. And, I, you know, wow. and then there's you talking about the holes earlier. So um, we've gone full Sanya in a carry-on film this week. It's not me. I didn't write the lyrics. Well, this well, is... What did you... How did you interpret that line? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a bit hard to... <laughs> I, I always saw like a cracked asphalt. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, so yeah. I thought that the guy from the first song has run away with someone mm. and they're on the road and they are hiding. They don't want to be seen. They're afraid of sunlight. They can't be out in the open together. Mm. Yeah, so that's all I've got so far. And I love the flute sounds I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I've got to say about it and I love the flute sounds <laughs> nice flute I mean sounds. it's just such a gorgeous sounding song it's, I love yeah. it I love the sound of it once again it's really like Spatcho it's really loose mm. uh, it shuffles along and what I love about it and what's really different about it is that it never takes off as in you know lifts off in the way that some Meridian songs do and I love that they held back from doing that. Mm. Right? If they'd kind of put in a big Rothers solo or say it would have spoiled the song. But I wonder if that's because it's a part one. Well, it, it, it's got a running time that establishes it as, as its own song, I think. I don't ever see it as part a part one of two. I see it as its own thing. It never gets played live, which I get because it's very down tempo. Mm. But... I kind of wish I'd, I'd hear it a bit more often live because it's just lovely. It's beautiful. As I say, it's almost like the a sort of the tantric sex and Marillion songs. It's like you're sort of waiting for it to okay. erupt. All right. <laughs> but it doesn't. <laughs> you're the one who went on about Fingers in Desire's crack. I didn't write the lyric, Paul. Let's move on. Uh, for me, again, I, I don't read loads into the lyrics here. Mm. It's more about evoking an atmosphere and the atmosphere here being one that you and I can kind of relate to, which is the, the, the sort of great American road trip. That's, that's how I see it across the desert. I guess um, because Gaspacho ended in drive the road, which I know is from the first line in afraid of sunlight, not afraid of sunrise. But if they're two parts of a whole song, I've just seen, I've just seen why I think this is a, continuation of um the gazpacho story first off i want to say hello to dayglow jesus on the dash because that's my favorite line in the song possibly my favorite line in the whole album wow um scorch marks on the road ahead friendly fire in hostile waters keep the faith don't lose your head does sound like they're on the run yeah Yes, I, I I do see it as sort of running away from responsibilities, a mm. song about that. Mm. It's a song that, for me, is more about evoking the great American road trip, as seen by the likes of, sort of Jack Kerouac, Hunter S. Thompson, and you and I, for instance. <laughs> We've done a few road trips in the desert, one of which we nearly died during. It was a car crash, by the way, everyone. We weren't doing enormous amounts of hallucinogenic drugs. And we stayed... Of course, in uh, the Joshua Tree Inn. Oh yes, my goodness! Right, right next to the room where um, what's his name? <laughs> Can't remember his name. <laughs> I want to see if you can remember his name. Graham Parsons. 
right next to the room where Grand Parsons died. Yeah, well, that night we heard some strange sounds, didn't we, coming from that room? Yeah. Sanya- I slept with headphones on all night because I didn't want to hear a ghost. Apparently the rooms, his room's really, really haunted. Yeah, and we visited the rock, Cat Rock, where he his body was cremated by his friends after they stole it from the airport. Yeah, uh, that was so cool. <laughs> it was very cool. We went and sat on Cat Rock and oh, listened to that idiot in the car park. <laughs> You'll never forget I'll me. never forget that idiot. Uh, oh, hi, my name's Adam. What's your name? You here to look at the stars? Uh, oh, yeah, you here to look at the stars. My name's Adam. What's your name? Yeah, it's like, mate, we're trying to soak at, in the ambience. The yeah. Anyway, and then that night we heard the ghost of Grand Parsons vomiting, vomiting in the room next door <laughs> while playing Grand Parsons music. That was a bit spooky. Mm. Um, spooky for you. I had headphones in and refused to open my eyes. Mm. I did. I did get up and go to the loo briefly before you, and I heard a lot of commotion in that room. Yeah. I didn't hear any vomiting. I heard the vomiting. But, um, there was a lot of commotion in there. So, the, But this is this is what the song, for me, evokes, are those people who, who do find the, the, a certain sort of escape and solace in the desert. Mm. You know, those, the likes those, of Grand The Parsons, likes of us. The likes of us. Yeah. I'd go back there in a shot. Well, yeah. I mean, I first... I first went went there when I was like thirteen. My sister married an American, and they lived they lived on Edwards Air Force Base because he was in the U.S. Air Force. And I just fell in love with the the desert. I fell in love with the Mojave and and the scenery, but the space and the sense of being alone out mm. there. Yeah, uh, the and, air has a kind of heavy stillness to it, and you know you're miles from anyone mm. or you can be and there's just something majestic about it yeah it's it, and so i get why people go there to escape mm. and people go there to get away because you know it's also probably the worst place or at least one of the worst places in the world to have a car accident because <laughs> <laughs> um, you are quite remote so where do we pick yeah that was spectacular we were quite lucky because the ambulance came very quickly, like within 15 minutes, it yeah, felt like. we were quite lucky. Well, we were quite lucky in more ways than one. Yes. Um, in that we didn't die and neither did the other people. No, well, they, yeah, because they had a big truck. So. Yeah, which demolished our car. <laughs> Broke your collarbone, ruptured your hernia and, and ripped off half my hand. But that's by the by. We we could have almost been the subject of a, a Meridian song. We could. <laughs> so so this is for me. It's a song that that evokes that atmosphere again, like Cannibal Surf Babe. In that the lyrics aren't directly telling a story. They're more about painting a picture with the music and the words together, mm. uh, and and evoking the theme through that. But I get what you're saying. It it does sound like someone someone running away. Which, when you look at the sort of extended version of the song, or lyrics anyway, on Afraid of Sunlight, and actually, even on Beyond You, I just spent the whole day driving away. There's something in there, isn't there, about driving away. We'd bridge and tunnel in today, abandoned to the salt of skin, abandoned to the highway. Yeah, given up. Sand running in the hourglass, so it's like they're kind of running out of... This is how I'm interpreting it. They're running out of time. Mm-hmm. But they, they're going to keep running. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's running away. Mm. What a song. 
Great song. Great song. Um, uh, a great song, one that I... I can... Again, I'll say relate to is wrong, but I get the atmosphere that... I feel it. And the it. sentiment. Yeah, I can really but feel But also because we've vibe. sort of done it. I think that's why. Yeah. And I don't care if it was written with snow outside the window. I feel like I'm in, driving through the desert. You can smell the desert in this song. Yes. Mm. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, I miss it. Why don't we listen to this in the car? Oh my god! Well, I wasn't aware of it. Ah. I wasn't. I mean, I was vaguely aware of the song. I wasn't aware of the meaning. It was me too busy listening to Boston's more than a feeling on loop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've landed in America. Right, time to put on Boston's more than a feeling. On I, loop. I have a tradition when I go to America that the holiday hasn't officially started until I've heard Boston's more than a feeling. There you go. Now you know everyone. I guess a good a place to leave this episode as any. Um, before we tackle the last four songs. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the, on vinyl, where the album broke for the side one and side two. I'm not sure, because I never had it on on vinyl. How about that? Mm. But uh, we're going we're gonna to call that our side one. That's a good idea. Only three songs. Do you know, I thought we were going to burn through this album and do it in one episode. Well, that's I mean, at least talk about the songs in one episode. We didn't because we had a long extended ramble about yeah. the, the nature of fame at we the top did. of the episode. We took gazpacho and, and made a meal of it. Oh, that's very good, that. That's really good. Thanks. It's, really, it's very good. It's very funny. Thanks. <laughs> oh, I didn't I had too much of a laugh in my... I was trying to see if I could say that as uh, unamused as possible. Very good. It's very funny. No, I can't do it. It's not coming. Anyway. <laughs> it's weird, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was really weird. Mm. So next week, Out of This World. Yes. Afraid of Sunlight. Yes. Beyond You. And, and King. King. King of the world. San- oh, Listeners at home, I, when when King was mentioned then, Sanya rolled her eyes. I didn't roll my eyes. I just lifted my eyebrows. Yeah, I knew what that was. It was a, it was a, it was a roll of the eyes. Well, and to myself, I thought everyone's favourite. Yeah, I know you all probably love King. Congratulations. That was addressed to all of you, not me. <laughs> and you. She I'm was sure disparaging you love, to you. I'm sure you love King as well. Do I? Probably. Find out next week, everyone. If you want to support the podcast, you can do that by subscribing, by telling people about us. You can join my Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash MrBiffo, M-R-B-I-F-F-O. Warning, not a great deal about Meridian on there at the moment, but if you want to chuck us a quid every month, given that we're doing this out of the kindness of our hearts as a service to the Meridian community, you can do. Uh, Or you can buy my music on Bandcamp, MrBiffo. Or you can send us a nice email, beampod at gmail.com. If you want to send us some emails about a photo sunlight, that would be great. Try to keep them relatively concise so that we don't end up doing 15 post-bag episodes again like we did on Brave. And that's it, I think, for this week. More of photo sunlight in the next episode. Sandy and I are playing a game of chicken and say so bye first. Bye. She, she loses. Bye. <laughs>